You're listening to the Beyond Podcast with your host, Timmy Riggs. Today I sat down with a good friend of mine, Eric Smith. Reason being is we're coming off of Mission Sunday here at our church. And um, during World Mission Sunday, we like to highlight things that God is doing throughout our global organization. And one of those is a church called Church in Action in Germany that is doing incredible things. And Eric Smith is one of the pastors there. And so I hope that you enjoy this, will be inspired, and hopefully learn a thing or two and uh, also there's multiple ways that you can get plugged in at the end of this podcast so i hope you're doing well and can enjoy uh hearing from pastor eric smith today okay well hey i am here with my buddy eric smith eric thanks for being on here with us man what's up timmy honor to get to join you i was saying right before we started that you you're your window setup is sweet. What uh, what are we looking out on? And I'm gonna explain to everybody where you are, what you're up to, what you're doing. Right. But just tell us a little bit of the the town and city right behind you. Yeah, so I'm in Darmstadt, Germany. It's a town, maybe 200,000 people, just south of Frankfurt, 20, 25 minutes. And uh, it's it's a student town. A lot of students. We have maybe around 50,000 students. So oh, that's wow. you're you're looking right at Darmstadt behind me. I'm in our uh, leadership institute so uh we we do a lot of workshops right now everything is online but the hope is to do workshops here to train leaders to invest in people in our community but also outside of the community and yeah the setup is nice just the windows in the back uh will give you a nice setup if you set it up like this so yeah yeah i need to i need to learn from you i just got a white wall behind me um Okay, yeah, so so to put it in perspective, so you just said you're in Germany, and so everyone listening and watching, um, first of all, how cool is, like, technology? That's what I was thinking, like, that's yeah. so crazy, dude. 50 years ago, to do something like this would have just, I mean, it would have been science fiction, you know, and here we yeah. are, you and I, like, we are on total different sides of the world, and we're having a conversation um, with, with, like, virtually no delay, which is crazy. <laughs> Real time. Um, I don't want to jinx myself, but um, so you're in Germany. So we will talk about that um, and for most of this. So we are coming off of our mission Sunday where we highlight the fact that, hey, our, our, it's not just BFC, right? Like we're not the we're not the only church um, in the denomination of the Nazarene. There's uh, hundreds in our state and then thousands in our country. And then um thousands of, of churches and, and groups throughout our world. Um, we are a denomination that has, um, I think, about 2 million people who are involved in it. And that's pretty remarkable, pretty incredible. And uh, you are one of those people that are a part of it. And you guys are doing something amazing in Germany. And we're going to talk all about that. Um, and before we get going, I would love for you to just kind of, I know, because, you know, we've become good buddies um, over time, but tell me a little bit about, okay, um, you're in Germany now. How'd you get there? Uh, did you grow up in Germany? What What is it? And then you also had a lot of time um, in the States as well. So uh, just kind of give us a background of who you are, and then we'll get to kind of talking about what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. I'll try to keep it somewhat short. Uh, so I grew up, I was born in Germany, uh, 1990, uh, feels like a long time ago now I'm getting old. We're closer to 2050 than we are 1990. Yeah. Don't say that. That scares me. Crazy, no, I'm, dude. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. yeah. So born in Germany, uh, uh, to a, uh, uh, American German mother and, uh, my, my dad who unfortunately I never met, but 
Uh, he's from Spain, so right off the bat, a very diverse uh, background, diverse roots. Uh, grew up in Germany for the first 12 years of my life. And uh, my mom was originally born in Norman, Oklahoma. So she always dreamt of going back to the States and always kind of wrestled with, with that. And then uh, 2002, when I was 12, we just made a short trip to visit some family she hadn't seen in years and decided on the spot we're going to move back to the States. So mm. within three months, we moved to, uh, to where can you move in Oklahoma? We moved to the smallest town in the world. And I was thinking, you know, United States, Hollywood, I'm going to get to see the world. And uh, we moved to Washington, Oklahoma, a small town with a stop sign and a little convenience. So that's about it. I've and, literally uh, never heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's just south of Norman, literally 10 minutes. Smallest town in the world. you got more cows than anything else. But uh, that's where we moved. And, you know, there we, we got involved. My mom, we didn't, I didn't really grow up in the church. Uh, my grandparents became uh, b- believers when I was younger, but my mom was a hardcore atheist. Uh, but when we moved to Oklahoma, now we were invited by an older couple who just loved on us. You know, we started all over. We didn't really have much. And they then later invited us to a small little Baptist church. And my mom decided to, to do it, to go. And so we went and uh, we were baptized there together a year later. And that kind of became our community. And so for seven, eight years, I, I, I was a part of that community with my mom. And then uh, after high school, college uh, came uh, and, and the question, where, where do I go to college? I was able to play golf in high school. That kind of became my passion uh, out of nowhere to start playing golf. And uh, it kind of found out I'm, I'm decent and I didn't know how we were going to pay for college. So uh, I found a way uh, through golf. Uh, it was a huge blessing and ended up being recruited by Southern Nazarene University right across the street from you guys. So uh, yeah. I had other places I wanted to go, but somehow uh, through back then Coach uh, Coach Polsey, Steve Holsey, who probably many who listen to this podcast know, uh, recruited me and I landed at Southern Nazarene University. And that was uh, made a huge difference in, my, uh, in difference in my life. I got involved uh, at BFC. So shout out to BFC, as I know a lot of people at BFC and, and BFC has definitely uh, been a huge uh, part of my life and has impacted and informed and shaped me and SNU as well. And then throughout my time at college, uh, you know, I kind of wrestled with what, what do I really want to, like all of us that go to college, we figure out, we, we start kind of, what, what do I do with my life? So I ended up studying finance. Uh, really my dream became, I don't know how, but it became going to the FBI. And uh, that was kind of my dream. Uh, that's why I studied finance, but it didn't really sit well with me. I kind of was stirred often when I asked myself the question, you know, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? That was a question that haunted me throughout college in a negative and a positive way uh, with a lot of good friends. You know, later I got to know you a little better uh, and, and so many people like you that, that just care about others that love Jesus. Uh, just many conversations about what does that mean and what does it mean to give our life to that? And so I continued down the finance path. I worked for Kim Ray a year and throughout that time, also back at uh, college, I got to know uh, a Nazarene pastor who came and spoke at SNU, which was Chris Zimmerman. And uh, Chris I remember. Zimmerman, you remember that? Yeah, Chris Zimmerman, yeah. he came and he shared about what is going on in Germany. He also has an interesting uh, background, which I don't have time to share here now, but basically came from a law background, business background, and ended up becoming a pastor within the Nazarene church. And him and his brother uh, ended up starting planting church in action in the uh, Frankfurt area. And he came and shared. And, and, you know, I always, I don't know, maybe this is a whole different topic, but uh, I always struggle with kind of finding my place in, in traditional church. 
and and like many today kind of you know are looking for a place to belong and he was just a guy that when he shared you just felt like man he loves people so much and people that usually don't find a place to belong in in the church do with what he is doing and so that really attracted me we ended up sending teams through SNU that I led three years in a row and uh, if you get to know him you know that he recruits and likes to invite people to join in what he's doing and I never wanted to move back to Germany, but after a year working at Kimre after college and realizing, man, I feel like God is calling me back. It took a year and then I uh, gave up my job. I quit. I sold everything. And I think that was August 2015. I ended up moving to Germany. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a contract. I didn't have a house. I didn't have anything. Uh, I just knew I needed to go. And five years later, here I am in Darmstadt today. Huge step of faith, man. Just saying, hey, I'll go, you know, I'll jump into what I feel like is next. That's so cool. I love that. Um, Okay, so you kind of pointed on that. And that's, I think, the fun thing we get to do when we talk about um, church in action and is that it's not necessarily the same you know, regular, hey, we got a big church building, we meet Sunday at 11, that's it, right? I mean, there's definitely parts of that. But I think one thing for us to remember is, um, and I don't know how to say this, I I don't necessarily have a lot of knowledge about it. But when we look at like, okay, the trends, what's happening in the United States, for one, it's especially because of COVID, you're seeing percentage of people actually going and attending church is on the decline, but it has been that way for a while, right? But one of the things we know that many times we're kind of about 50 years behind what's happening in the European world. Um, and so that has been happening for a long time in, in Germany and men, in many of these other European countries that it is just, Hey, a church is this idea. Um, I don't know. That's not necessarily for me. Um, in fact, I kind of have, um, a, and they're more like run by the state, right? Is that right or wrong? Not run by the state, but like it's connected to. Yeah, in Germany, we have this. We still have state, the state church, the evangelical and the Catholic church that is connected to the state. And we also have free churches, which are not connected uh, to the state. So we have both in Germany. Okay. All right. And uh, I have a buddy over there, uh, Rick, the one I connected you and yes. I with, yes. you know, um, who is, uh, man, I can't even remember which country. Do you remember which country? It was, it was it the Netherlands. The Netherlands, that's right. And um, kind of that there's, even the people that do go to church, it's just, well, this is what my family's done. This is what we do. And so it's a hard, sometimes it's hard to really dive into like, no, 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 we want to be more like Jesus and we want to help others come to know him. We want to live it out. Uh, We don't just want it to be an additional um, accessory to our lives, right? So with that being said, your, your leader had, had a vision of, hey, here's a way I think we can do some things. And that's what you're a part of now. So explain to us kind of church in action and the beginnings and, and where we're at today with it. Yeah. Um, also a big question. Uh, yeah. A lot of history that goes. But, you know, to, 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 to summarize uh, and what drew me back then, I guess, uh, thinking about, you know, what Chris shared when he came the first time to SNU. Uh, is that 
like you kind of described, especially here in Europe, uh, people feel very disconnected to, to the church. And, and there you also have to kind of separate church, the institution. You know, there's a, there's a big trend uh, what spirituality is concerned. And, and, and a lot of people are pursuing spirituality, are, are pursuing mm. different sorts of faith, uh, even within the Christian tradition, but, uh, but don't necessarily engage in a, in a church as we would think of church. So, uh, you know, back then even, uh, which was now we celebrated a year ago, 10 years. So we're going on our 11th, 12th year now, uh, Chris and and his brother, Philip, they, they sense that, you know, in Germany and and in Europe, people aren't coming anymore. That's been the model for decades. It's still the model in the U S which still somewhat works is we invite people to a service, uh, to a, to an event. And then we wait until people come. And if people don't come, uh, which has been the trend in Europe and is the growing trend in the U.S., especially East West Coast, if you look in those areas, then the question is, OK, are we just going to sit there and wait for people to come or are we going to go and meet where people are? And that's how it started. It started with with Chris and a few friends. It was a small group that started in a bar in Frankfurt. And I think uh, for two or three years, uh, they didn't have one service. All they did was hang out in that bar and build relationships. And actually, that's how church in action uh, kind of got started. And, and so it's a lot about uh, going to where people are, you know, incarnational ministry. Jesus came and became like us. And so what does it look like to go, you know, even each city is made up of not just one culture, but many subcultures, uh, people that think differently, that act differently. What does it mean to look uh, and look like to go into these places, not to conquer not to show them what we know but to incarnate to become a part of the community and to and to live with them to to get to know them to learn also from them and together figure out and and ask the question what does it mean to follow jesus together so that's kind of the the dna the 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 beginning of it and and the the vision that came out of that is uh, that is still the same today is that we dream of heaven on earth Uh, based on the lord's prayer we want to see how heaven breaks into our lives so it's personal. We want to see how heaven breaks in our cities and we want to see how heaven breaks into the world. And so it's, it's very much of, you know, Jesus kept saying that the kingdom is at hand and he's inviting us to, to, uh, uh, to pursue the kingdom and to be embody the kingdom. And so uh, that also touches every aspect of society. And so that also uh, impacts the way we try to live out a, a church and ministry, uh, not just having services, but also projects, also being involved in the community. Um, yeah, I guess I could talk I a lot about that. I don't know where yeah. I'm going, but uh, yeah. No, that's again, I think, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, even in my own life, I think one of the things that can keep you from from doing that stuff is is comfort or un, un, you know, being uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, you and I both, there's a pastor we both really love, and that's Judah Smith. And uh, I remember listening to his sermon where he was like, you know, there is going to be time when we look at Jesus's life and where he spent a lot of time at, um, it's places that at the end of the day, we're going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's going to be different. People are going to say and do things that we're like, whoa, that is way outside maybe my lane and what how I live. But the ultimate goal is, hey, there is there is a harvest that is that is ripe, that is ready, and they need love and grace and compassion. And um, it is a, I think it's, it is, 
a learning process to, to actually get instead of just being like our doors are open, come on, which is, you know, still great. We, you know, open arms, that's our mentality, but it's like, how are we living open arms where they are, you know? And I think that is, I mean, you guys are such an inspiration to what's going on. So now tell me a little bit, you guys, you guys do have meetings and some courses and stuff. Walk me through that and um, kind of like, how again it's not necessarily you just have one big building and every sunday but you have a lot of micro groups actually so tell me more about that the the way that it's basically set up can can be kind of described in in two aspects one is uh, uh, one one aspect is kingdom communities that that we that we try to build and, and foster and the other is kingdom projects so the kingdom community aspect would be the services uh, which for us, like you mentioned, we don't have a church building. Uh, all of our services uh, take place in public spaces. Uh, in some theological circuits, it's called third spaces. So it's where, where it kind of crosses uh, where you know people work. Uh, is a second space where people live is a first space. And a coffee shop, restaurant, movie theater, those are third spaces. Uh, so it's where people also naturally spend time. Um, that's where our services are usually. Of course, right now they're not. Uh, but uh, within that, we also run uh, now three coffee shops. We're uh, looking at opening more and also running our own coffee shops through which we can make an impact in the city. And then within the kingdom community aspect is also our communities on mission, which are like our small groups. Uh, but uh, we call them communities on mission. And they basically live out a, a missional rhythm uh, where they meet every two weeks to study scripture. And then the other two weeks, each uh, small group is actually connected to a specific project where they have, have make a long-term impact, build a relationship. So that could be um, our project Spielmobile, which is the van that we've customized to go into different refugee camps and create a space for kids to play. Uh, so one community on mission would do that every two weeks, the same space uh, where they would build long-term relationship. And then the other two weeks, they would study scripture together, pray together for those people, for each other. Uh, and that's the kingdom community. Then we also have the kingdom project aspect, which is, uh, how can we really be a part of citywide transformation in our city? Uh, and, and that would be an example would be our PX project, which is a larger regional project that uh, goes through works in all of our cities. And that's the work in the red light district uh, where we meet women who are, who are caught in prostitution. Uh, we opened this last year during Corona, we opened a, a, um, a house basically where people can come, women can come right in the middle of the red light district uh, they can uh, get help with paperwork. A lot of the women come from Eastern Europe. And uh, so it's really about building relationship, but that's basically the setup. And in each city, we then have services each Sunday and we have communities on mission throughout the week. And that's kind of the foundation from where we uh, try to live out the community um, together. Man, that I love that, dude. That is inspiring. So you're services are always in in a rented space too so it might be a coffee shop or a library or something like that yeah yeah so we build we build relationships with local yeah either we run our own coffee shops or or, or different places or we we build relationships uh, for example here in Darmstadt uh, we've been uh, close friends with uh, the oldest bar in the city and uh, before corona for 2 3 years we've been in that bar uh, every two sundays and we have a service there um, yeah We've also been in a movie theater here, uh, a regular theater. Um, so we just go to people, build relationships, and uh, just ask them, hey, can we have an event here? Can we have a service here? 
And it just depends where you are. And then you kind of figure out, you know, what kind of event can we start that may turn later into a service. Some are open to start with a service right away. But um, but yeah, so that way we can really be where, where people are. And, and people are much more likely to come to a place like that, uh, at least in our context, than they would into a traditional church building. So incredible, man. That's awesome. So, so your two week system, is that like every other? So like on um, the first Wednesday of a month, let's just say you, you do the Bible study the next Wednesday you go serve, or is it back yeah. to back? It's every yeah. other. Okay. It's always, it's really what we try to build in is that missional rhythm that Jesus and his disciples lived out. We found, because in the past, what, what we often found is, uh, you know, and there's good in both, but we found that we have on one side, we often have Bible small groups that do Bible studies every week, but uh, they would never go out and serve. And so they would, they would uh, have all this information uh, and they could quote the Bible front to back, but they were never really challenged to, to go, to go use what they've, what they've learned. And then we all, on the other side, we often had some people who were really active and they were serving like crazy. Um, but it didn't really often get to a point where you had, uh, you know, time to pray together. You know, oftentimes people get tired and exhausted when you don't have time for reflection. And, you know, in Jesus's life, we see him, we see this rhythm. He's going out mm-hmm. to serve. He's, he's, he's going into solitude. Uh, he's going back out to serve. He's going. And so in Luke, it's beautiful. You can see this rhythm. So that's what we tried to kind of incorporate uh, to like a, like a breath, like breathing in and out. Uh, and, and we found that that's an incredible way for people to live a life that challenges them to serve, but also challenges them to rest uh, and, and yeah. to do that in a healthy way. That's so good. It makes me think about Francis Chan when he gives his illustration of, you know, if I went in and I told my daughter to clean her room and she's got some friends over and I come back a little bit later and she says, dad, dad, this is great. We, we sat down. We talked about what it would look like for us to clean my room. We really envisioned it. We actually decided to get some groups together where we're going to talk about this every week. And it's going to be really meaningful. And and I think that you're going to see a lot of growth here. And he's like, you know, that might be good. But but if she's not actually cleaning the room, then we're still missing it. You know, that's a good idea. Yeah. So I think that that, like, I always keep that in mind. So I love that rhythm. And that's something that we are even trying really hard to do, you know, with our community groups, Sunday school classes is, mm-hmm. is getting it to where, Hey, every group has something that they are, you know, adamant about something they're partnering yeah. with some kind of ministry or, or nonprofit or something that's in the, uh, in the city that is, Hey, yeah, that is a hands and feet type of thing for Jesus. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're trying to do that. So you kind of mentioned it, you, you mentioned, so you have, you know, German citizens, you have refugees, uh, you have people stuck in, in prostitution, kind of all of the above. So tell us a little bit about your demographic, your people and um, kind of, I mean, just a, so it's something we are aware of how we can be praying and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because even each city uh, that we're in and we're in five cities right now, uh, Frankfurt and some surrounding cities, uh, they all kind of look different, you know, depending on the context of the city. And, and of course, in part of the demographic of the community, uh, you know, some people we may more naturally connect with, uh, for example, here in Darmstadt, we have a lot of young people, a lot of students, young professionals. So, of course, we're going to draw in more young people and professionals 
into the community. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we serve a wide variety of, of, of people from, you mentioned refugees. We have, uh, you know, over the last few years, many, many people uh, who have a migrant background, who have fled from war, from economic uh, uh, difficulties and who've come to Germany. So we actually have 20 minutes from here. We, we, we own a, a refugee housing complex uh, with about 60 refugees. Uh, and and we we have hired someone who's the uh, basically a housekeeper who keeps that place running, uh, but also has a pastoral heart. So he's uh, and that's big on our heart, especially what people with a migrant background uh, is concerned. You know, a lot of times we even see here in the systems, uh, they don't have capacity to take time to listen to their stories. They don't have capacity to help them with their paperwork all the time. It's often uh, you know either they don't get an appointment at all, or they just have difficulty. They don't speak the language as well. So it's been big on our heart. How can we come alongside uh, uh, people like us? I mean, yeah, they may come from the Middle East. Yeah, they may be refugees. But at the, at the end of the day, they're, they're human. You know, they, they have the same dreams and desires and fears that, that I have. And so how can we walk alongside them? How can we help them rebuild their life? How can we help them with learning the language? How can we help them uh, learn what it's like to live here in Germany, explain the different systems, uh, help them to perhaps look for a job? So refugees, those are big on my heart. We have a lot of people here in Darmstadt, also in my community. I meet with a group every Tuesday night, a community on mission. Uh, that are mainly Muslim background uh, uh, people uh, who are still Muslim, who are partly also atheists. And uh, we just come together uh, to, to learn from each other. Every two weeks we read, uh, we study the Bible together. We just started a course called Al-Masira. Some may know it. It's, a, it's like a, a faith a course, how to discover the Bible, but from a Muslim background. And they're just hungry, open to learn. And so uh, we meet to learn from each other. And then in the other two weeks, we, we always, right now it's on break. We just meet online every week, but we do a game night. And so it basically opens up the, the, the table for anyone and everyone who wants to come. So they invite their friends. We invite people we meet throughout the week. And then we eat together and then we play games together. And then we invite people who want to study scripture the next week to come to that. So, so people with a refugee background, are, are we have a lot uh, that we're trying to come alongside. We also, as you mentioned, have uh, the red light district. Uh, prostitution is legal in Germany. So that's a big part uh, on our heart, a big part of society that we see a lot of injustice in. Um, and then we also, of course, we have people who are struggling with homelessness, who uh, who perhaps have lost their jobs. So, you know, we, we always are open to see where's the biggest need in the city and, and what kind of resources do we have uh, to, to come together. And, and, you know, everyone, it doesn't matter really who it is or where they're from, everyone desires community everybody is looking for a place to belong and that's a beauty for me one of the things i love about communism on mission is you can incorporate anyone uh, into, yeah. into that uh, you can invite anyone and even those people who may not be ready to come together at a home and study scripture uh, a lot of people are open to go serve and so it's a way to connect and that's how people then often funnel into being really a part of a community on mission on a weekly basis. So it's a, it's a, it's a wide spectrum of, of people we, we, we try to serve. Um, we don't do it perfect at all. It's very, very messy. Uh, I think that's, you know, when you really open up to trying to just create space where people can belong uh, rather than teaching them how to behave and what they should believe first, it gets messy. And I think that's a lot of what Jesus did and it was messy. 
Um, so we don't have all the answers. We don't have the perfect way to do ministry, but we're just trying to be faithful in this context and, and trying to create the best uh, opportunity for as few barriers to be up as possible for people to, to um, yeah, be in relationship together and to discover what it means uh, to follow Jesus and to discover who he is. Yeah, it's just like part of me even feels like guilty even saying this because it's just me preaching a sermon, but um, but it matches you so well. And the latest sermon that I preached for our late night on Wednesday nights, a service that we do, you know, um, was about Jesus and was well, a good place to start. <laughs> it was about, um, yeah. <laughs> it was about um, Jesus with the Pharisees and the woman caught in adultery. And basically I, I unpack how this is a picture of, you know, fallen humanity, fallen creation, and even our inability to live into and to abuse the law that was ultimately given to help guide us. We abused it. Prophets were given to help guide us through the law. They were killed. And we see that ultimately with this culmination of Jesus smack dab in the middle of the human condition of that's all ultimately, um, was created by sin. And so we see the Pharisees both, you know, abusing the law, but also self-righteousness, self-control, or, you know, controlling them, the situation themselves. And then we see the woman um, of sin and shame. And, and yet Jesus is right there in the middle of it. And I think that so often, and, and this is just regular outside, even some of the things you just said, but just I think so often in our lives when we are maybe maybe we're like literally in the smack dab middle of sin, whatever that might be, you know, um, we're usually like that's the last the last place I want to be is with Jesus in that moment. And yet that's the place he desires to be the most because, you know, he's the only one that can actually redeem us in those moments. But the thing that's so beautiful is what is the spirit of Jesus in that moment? Spirit of an advocate. He, he, he stoops to the ground. He's in the dirt. He's literally in the middle of the situation. And ultimately it lends to this moment where, you know, he says, Hey, you without sin, throw the stone. And we know the stones drops. And what does he do when he looks at the woman? He says, is anyone condemning you? Anyone here? No. Okay. Neither do I. I think those are just such profound words. Like, Neither do I condemn you, you know? And then he says, go live your life. Like I've given you life, I've given you breath. And so I feel like um, so much of what you do is exactly what Jesus did in that story, in that moment. No matter what the situation is, it is you saying, hey, I'm going to stoop down. I'm going to be your advocate. And I'm here to help you say, hey, go live your life. God has called you to something. And uh, wherever you're at, it doesn't have to be the end. And so I'm I'm just so encouraged. I've heard you, you tell this multiple times. And even today, I'm just like, man, how can I kind of change a little bit of some of my goals and, and mission to be more like that? And so I love that, dude. Um, can you share maybe maybe a story or two and um, of just kind of how it was, you guys clearly saw God moving? It could just be one story, whatever you want. But um, and then we'll kind of talk about ways in which we can we can help you. But um, of where you saw clearly God moving in someone's life or through the ministry or whatever, we'd love to hear kind of an, an inspiring story, even though all of this has been inspiring. <laughs> well, I appreciate your your kind words. Um, yeah, I. I 
you know, a story comes to mind that it's, it's been a while ago, but uh, this story, often when I'm asked this, this is the story that comes to mind. So uh, I remember we, we had uh, services up on a rooftop bar, actually right across, uh, right outside the window, there's a, a high building, uh, maybe 15, 20 stories. And at the top is a rooftop bar that we had services for about two years. And I remember uh, one time I was, I was not preaching that night. I was just doing the introduction at the front. And I remember at the back, while I was speaking, I saw a, a gentleman walk in with, with a young woman. And when he walked in, he had tears in his eyes. And I kind of thought, ah, this is strange what's going on. And, uh, and, and I just you know, kind of saw him walk in. And then as soon as I was done, I walked to the back of the room and I went to one of my leaders and I was looking for this guy, I couldn't see him. And, and she said, hey, uh, a guy just came in and he went out onto the uh, terrace part uh, and a beautiful view. You can even see Frankfurt on a clear day. And she said, hey, this guy came in, he had tears in his eyes. He wants to talk to a pastor. Uh, maybe you can go talk to him. And so I, of course, directly went outside and, and I met this older gentleman, maybe mid late forties, <laughs> I'll say it old. So everyone is listening. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't mean old, but uh, this <laughs> formal, sir, a gentleman uh, with his daughter actually. And I came out and I said, Hey, I introduced myself and he introduced himself and, uh, and he just had tears. And I said, I said, sir, I said, what, what's going on? Can, can I help you with anything? And he, he said, man, I just got to tell you something. Um, this morning, uh, I got I got up and uh, I ended up talking to my daughter, and we just said, you know, maybe we should go have a drink somewhere today. Uh, and they were looking for a bar somewhere. And the backstory is that he had uh, separated with his wife of over twenty years about three months ago, and he said it's been some of the most difficult months of his life. He's been absolutely desperate. He doesn't know what else to do. And, and he's, he said he's a, he, he's a believer, but he said he felt like God left him. He said he hadn't heard from God in, in months. He feels like God has absolutely abandoned him. And he's been screaming, yelling out to God, help me, help me, help me. But he's heard nothing. And he says, today, I talked to my daughter. I said, let's go have a drink. Let's go to a bar. And they walk in. And he said, when I walked into the door, I don't know what happened, but I just felt God's presence like I haven't felt in, in months. And he said, the thing that touched me so much is that here I am walking into a bar and it's the, it's the most, the place that I would have never thought that I would have heard from God for the first time in months, but it is this place that God had led me. And he was just bawling and bawling and bawling when he was telling me this. And for me, it, you know, it touched me so much because I thought, man, you know, this guy would have probably never walked into a traditional church building, but here we are in this rooftop bar and here this guy who's in a desperate place walks in. And anyway, he goes on to tell me that uh, he's just incredibly touched. And then he's, I was also sharing in the introduction about baptism. We had a baptism coming up and I was inviting people to think about being Baptist. They haven't. And uh, he was like, man, then I walked in and then you shared about baptism. And I got to tell you, I've been wanting to be baptized for 20 years, hmm. but the church that I've been going to for 20 years, has told me for the last 20 years that I'm not good enough. He said, until you get your, your relationship with your wife in order, until you get your family in order, we cannot baptize you. And, and that broke my heart. And I just uh, was able to share him there. I said, you know, let me tell you how, how we understand baptism. And short story, I basically shared with him that we see and I see baptism as the beginning of the story. It's not we figure out and get our life in order and then we can 
step into the water. No. And the, you know, the, the great story of the eunuch in, in, in Acts, as soon as, as he understood, the, the line goes, what should hinder me to, to step into the water? And he steps in the water, he's baptized. And so two weeks later, the guy shows up, I get to baptize him. And literally at that event, he comes and pulls me to the side and he says, Hey, Eric, uh, I, I got to introduce you to someone. And there was this woman. I said, who is this woman? And he said, this is my wife. Uh, we have completely mm. reconciled. We've forgiven each other. And, uh, and then actually on that day, he comes to me and says, you know, my wife has gone through the same thing. She'd been wanting to be baptized for 20 years, but they wouldn't baptize her. Mm. And she would love to be baptized today because, you know, at the end we asked, is there anyone else who would like to step in the water today? Literally the owner of the house, we were in this backyard where we were celebrating. We had maybe about 80 people, hundred people there. And the owner of the house runs to get new clothes for this woman that she had never met. And she steps into the water. And to this day, this has now been a year or so ago, uh, to this day, uh, they've reconciled, they're together. You know, it's not perfect, but it was just amazing to me how if we wouldn't have been in that bar or different perspective, God used us in that bar to reach someone who would have never come into perhaps another place. So that's a story that will stick with me for the rest of my life, will encourage me to go to places that typical people may not walk into just so that maybe God would use us, that whoever walks in would, would feel God's presence and perhaps just see a life transforming moment yeah dude that is i got goosebumps like four times in that story that is so awesome i love it man goosebumps every time i think about it it's goosies um yeah yeah, well thanks for sharing that i think that a lot of people are going to be inspired and excited about that story um okay so hey we'll we'll wrap it up here i'm so thankful for you willing to kind of take the time and and connect with me and, and share your story with a lot of other people um and so i think that's super cool um one of the ways there's so many ways that people can help you um and you actually when you come to the states you always kind of do a little kind of get together and and, uh bring us up to speed on what's going on and and tell everyone kind of a couple ways that you can help you know there's there's prayer there's financial there's there's letters i don't know there's so much so why don't you real quick just share some ways that people can get involved maybe some of the websites things like that where they we can help Sure. Well, before I do that, I would love to also say uh, just one, uh, how, how grateful I am for, for Bethany First Church and uh, so proud of the work you guys are doing. Uh, I got to be a part of Bethany for several years and I'm still watching from along. I get to catch a service every once in a while. And then also you, Timmy, I'm super grateful. We talked recently about how it's been crazy that actually in college, we never hung out that much, but over the last couple years we've, we've just really become close and uh, I've just really been grateful and also inspired by you as we've had similar paths of pursuing pastoral work and, and you know sharing our challenges and our victories so I'm just super grateful uh, with with that said uh, thank you for uh, allowing me even to, to invite people to to uh, yeah partner with us in, a, in in some ways you know prayer is huge uh, especially in a time like this uh, pray uh, as all of us who are in ministry uh, are, are faced with challenges. Pray for us. 
to we're on complete lockdown right now here in Germany still till February since November. So it's been a, a long time. We have a lot of people who are very lonely uh, dealing with depression. Uh, for us, of course, it's challenging because we can't do much. Uh, but online. So we're trying everything we can and get creative to stick and, and be close to our people. Pray for wisdom and, and creative ideas, how we can best do that. Uh, pray for us, also the leaders to keep our heads. You know, it's it's a mental challenge in this time of, of just staying, uh, you know, also grounded in, 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 in the spirit. And, and, and financially, uh, we are definitely uh, in, 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 in need at this time, as all of us have been hit hard. Uh, you can go to churchinaction.com. Very simple. Uh, also there, you'll find stories. You'll find updates on a regular basis. You can follow us there. And you can also give if you feel led to. You can go to churchinaction.com. On the top right is a button. And uh, you can, uh, in, in the memo, you can write Eric. And then uh, all anything you give will end up here in Darmstadt and uh, I will be able to use for ministry. So I'm just grateful for you guys to listen and grateful for you to invite me to me. So thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you. And, and I hope that uh, we can be sending some prayers and resources your way as, as more people uh, listen to this. So again, thank you, Eric. I love you, man. And uh, thanks for being on here, dude. Thanks, brother. Well, thanks for being a part of the Beyond Podcast. Um, if there is more ways that you'd like to get plugged in, you can always use the Connect form that we have on our church's website. And uh, if you have any questions to get plugged in and maybe helping supply some resources or prayer or anything like that for Church in Action, we would love for you to do that. And you can contact us that way. So uh, if you enjoyed the episode, we would love for you to share it, rate it, and uh, tell us how you felt about it. We uh, love you guys. Uh, being on here and listening with us and supporting us and we're excited to bring you new and fresh episodes each week thank you